1 Peter chapter 3. It'll be up on the screen if you uh, haven't got it with you or it's not on your phone. Uh, this, this, this week and next week, we are having a bit of a break from our uh, master plan theme and we're sort of pressing pause on that and we're just doing a couple of random sermon, sermons. So I'll talk a bit about that in, the, in, a, in a minute. So let's uh, read from 1 Peter chapter 3, starting from verse 8. So finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for this is what you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and sees good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are open, his ears are open to their prayer. But in the but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there? Sorry, now who is there to harm you if you are eager or zealous for doing good? But if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy and always be prepared to make a defence or to give an answer to anyone who seeks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, so those who revile your good behaviour in Christ, they will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. I'm going to leave it there. Are people getting cold? people cold yes there's, there's more nods than shakes i'm going to turn the heaters on again okay and just hold on just meditate on the word there we go we're back on uh as i said we're putting pause on the uh the master plan moving people in following christ for a couple of weeks and we'll pick that up in a couple of weeks oh that's the pause button that's right oh that's funny uh, we'll go to the next one. Um, so we're doing uh, a bit of a random, uh, a, a couple of random services. And um, I talked to uh, the guys in the office. We were talking about some uh, service plans. And uh, we asked, what, what should we do? A, what, would, what can we preach on? Or what would you want me to do a sermon on? And so we got talking, um, and I've heard it from a number of people here, about sort of hot topics that are going around sort of in the media that we're exposed to. And um, how do we sort of answer them? Um, and so I've come up with this uh, sermon title of uh, Tackling Tough Topics, because that's what we pastors do. Oh, is it alliteration? That's it. So I want to ask you this question. 
how do you react when these topics are raised? So if you're in your school place or in your workplace or with your neighbours, how do you react when the topic of gay marriage comes up? How do you react if someone starts talking about uh, evolution or how do you go uh, when people start uh, talking about how abortion is a good thing and it's the right of the woman to choose that? Or the uh, GLBT um, area of discussion, how do you handle that? And I would say that generally I find that we Christians fall into one of two categories and uh, they're up there. We either fight or plight, don't we? That would be sort of typical, I think, of sort of the Christian reaction. One is uh, we put our head down and we tell them about uh, what Revelation says about those who are evolutionists or homosexuals or whatever. And we try and convince them otherwise and proclaim the truth in a way that is probably more about our arguments than it is about uh, what we're standing for. The other side is, and I'd have to say that probably in, in my circle that this has been more the reaction, is that as soon as those topics come up, it's, uh, is that the time? <laughs> Here's my pastor's card, give him a call. Um, let, uh, I've got to go and help kids or the neighbours or something. Let's get, get me out of here. Um, or you won't even engage with the topic at all. And I've been guilty of that. What is your sort of typical response? What's your standard response when, it, when these topics uh, get raised? And... Um, Often, uh, when, I get, when I'm talking about this with uh, people in the church, people say, uh, we want some more teaching on this, we need to know what to say and how to say it, and that's true, we need, do need that. But this, this sermon particularly is not going to deal with sort of the details of those topics. I want us to, to, to wrestle with how we deal with those topics and how we deal with people um, who bring those topics uh, up for discussion. I want us to think about uh, the attitudes that we have uh, when these topics are raised. And I want to use uh, the passage that I just read, 1 Peter 3, uh, to use that to uh, help us sort of wrestle uh, through that. And I think the 1 Peter 3, sort of the verses that I read, gives us an idea that there's probably um, some middle ground that we need to do. It's not the fight response and it's not the flight response, but it's probably somewhere in between and that we actually need to do a bit of both. Okay, we need to think about uh, what that might look for us. But we'll see and when we focus uh, on these topics, we've got to focus on the people that are bringing these topics and what the people think about these topics and how they... Are, are situated in these topics and that uh, this passage will tell us that we actually do need to be prepared to give an answer, an answer to defend the truth and state what we believe with a clear conscience. So it's actually going to tell us that we can't say nothing. And uh, 
but it also is going to say that we need to approach people with the vision of the kingdom. And uh, as I've said in the past, that uh, the vision is more important than the fight. And the vision is that there is a loving God who is pursuing sinners to have them reconciled to himself. And so as Peter writes this letter to the churches, he's encouraging them to stand firm. And their situation is one of persecution, uh, not too dissimilar to the situation we find ourselves as Christians when we um, get caught up in these sorts of topics. Our, our world and our culture and Australian culture at the moment uh, doesn't stand kindly or doesn't treat kindly uh, often the Christian view on these topics. And so I think these verses speak to us in our situation. And he encourages them to stand firm in the truth and to show love in the midst of it. And so we're just going to sort of step through this passage. So if you've got it on your phone or in your, on your Bibles, we're just going to work our way through it and pick out um, some bits and pieces along the way to hopefully equip us and empower us as we go through. So uh, if you notice where it started, where this passage starts, uh, the passage starts with words like harmony, sympathy, love, compassion, humility, blessing. As you engage with these sorts of topics and people in them, this is the flavor of the vision <laughs> that we need to bring. This is the flavor that we seek to bring to the people that we're going to uh, engage with. And you know, it says it in there a number of times, so do not pay, repay evil for evil. Uh, or one of the visions, uh, sorry, one of the versions of the Bible says, do not repay insult with insult. Because often that's where it's easy to get into that, isn't it? When we start to get to these topics, we, when we start to, and the things get heated and we want to win the argument, sometimes we can head down that path as well. But here in this passage, it says, don't repay evil for evil, don't repay insult for insult, but rather bless the people. And we remember Jesus' words to us, don't it? That we are called to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to express love to those who are very different from us and have very different beliefs and lifestyle practices to us. As we uh, engage with this, I think it's telling us here that we need to listen, we need to uh, understand, we need to have perspective on people's situation. And probably this sermon is very much going to deal more with the relational side of things rather than um, us as a church tackling the big problems sort of, sort of in a sort of, uh, sort of government or um, sort of the, the big picture stuff. So it's more going sort of relational. There's a whole other sermon out there that we could do that. But I'm just taking it more to us as we relate to people, as we have these um, conversations, that we need to be driven by love and these sorts of attitudes. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, is that his name? Is that how you say it? Yeah, he's a great Christian apologist and I'm going to recommend that you Google him many times um, to find uh, his idea on this. He says this, as he engages with people around the world, he says, I do this in a way that I can put my arm around the people who have vastly different beliefs and lifestyles to me and tell them that God loves them and that we believe... Um, differently and I think that's that's a, a nice picture isn't it that we can actually put our arms around people and love them as we engage with them in very different um, understandings of what the truth is and he says with this and I think this is a key for us that that is a supernatural act so we need to ask God we need to ask his Holy Spirit to give us love 
and to have his fruit manifested in us as we engage with people on these topics. And so that we would be known as a people who engage with these topics, who speak the truth, and we are known as gent- in speaking gentleness and kindness and love. Um, and so as we go on to the next part of the verse, because uh, it says, remember, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? And so the question I ask of myself, when you get into these debates, is your desire to do good? not just to win the argument. And to do good for the person that you're interacting with and doing good for the sake of the topic that you're talking about. Because God has a way that these topics need to be dealt with which are good for the culture and the society as well. And that this just doesn't become about winning an argument or putting someone in their place, but it's we are driven by doing good. Doing good for the person that we're interacting with and for um, the culture and society that we are in. And are we eager for it? Are we eager to see uh, love expressed? Are we eager to see the truth displayed? So you you see that. You know what that does. If you're eager to have the truth, you can't walk away from it. And if you're eager to do love, you need to love that person and understand that person and listen to that person as well. But what we do remember... (laughs) is that those that we might be doing good to uh, won't see it that way. And that's what uh, you know, the rest of the, the verse says there. But even if you do suffer for doing what is good, uh, you are right, uh, doing good and what is right, you are blessed. And we recognise that's going to happen, isn't it? That as we engage with these topics, people are not going to respond uh, necessarily in a positive way. They're not even going to understand our purpose and drive and love uh, for them that in tackling tough topics, we will most likely receive rejection and suffering. And so therefore, the rest of the Bible gives us a good picture of our theology of suffering. That God often uses suffering to display himself to the world. So the way that we react to persecution that's going to come our way can often display God to that person. The way that you interact with the way that they are nasty and horrible to you uh, will be a representation of Christ in this world. And we need to know that even in that suffering, in that that hardship, even in that sin, because what they're doing is sinful, God is at work. And the Bible says that. It shows that. And, um, yeah, we will suffer humiliation, ridicule, and particularly in Australia, and particularly when this gets wrapped up with the church. Uh, I think I've thrown out those statistics that um, Australian culture will, uh, 80% of Australians will engage in topics about God. 70% of Australians will engage with topics about Jesus. 30% of Australians will engage in, um, in topics about the church. And so often when it gets to talking about the church, that's where it, it gets tough. Um, and often um, misunderstandings of the church and misunderstandings of um, or, or past hurts as well that we've been involved in there as well. So here's the thing, as we're thinking about this, you're probably thinking about this already. I think you, you, your thinking's gone here already. This will vastly depend on who you're talking to and what they're seeking to get out of the discussion or the, the topic as well. And um, we need to deal with different people in different ways. 
And I think we can see that Jesus does that and Paul does that, doesn't he? That uh, people with, um, I- in different situations, they deal uh, quite differently. Who did Jesus have most of his arguments with? The Pharisees, yeah, that's right. And uh, I, I, was, I was thinking, I reckon Jesus came as close to sinning as he could in the way he interacted with the Pharisees. Like, have you read some of the things that he said to the Pharisees? He was pretty full on in their face, wasn't he? He didn't sin, don't freak out about that. He, but somehow, he interacted with them and used sarcasm, used wit, used pretty full on language uh, with them. But what were the Pharisees doing? you just got to remember who the Pharisees were. They were the religious leaders who were seeking to bring oppression to the people and were on about control and, uh, uh, and oppression of those under them. And so Jesus came hard against them as he sought to bring the kingdom to bear uh, in there. So hot debates with them. Um, he used strong language and robust debate. But there's, remember this. Jesus also went to the Pharisees' house, houses. And he ate with them. He drank with them. He had conversation with them. He loved them. Remember what happened when Nicodemus came to him? And think of the love that he engaged with him with as he uh, engaged with him about hot topics of the day. But then we also think about the way that Jesus dealt with the woman that was caught in adultery. Or how did Jesus react when the prostitute washed his feet? And there was a gentle love and understanding there. And yet, at the same time, he says, I, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. And the truth comes to bear uh, in the people in those situations. And I think Jesus, um, and Paul does it too, Paul is quite confronting, mostly with people in the church, but quite confronting. And Paul's, what is it, the foolish Galatians, you foolish Galatians, what are you doing? And yet, he's saying, But you know that when I was amongst you, I loved you like a mother loves a child at her breast. That's the love I have for you. And he brings these two together as he confronts and loves. And I think we see that. Uh, As we go to the next bit, um, the other thing that we need to be in this is to be bold and to be strong and to fear not and to not be frightened. Why? Because God is with us. And we remember the Great Commission, isn't it? That Jesus says, all authority is given to you, is given to me, and I'm giving it to you. That we have the Holy Spirit within us that can drive us to love. Uh, and he says in this passage, remember, set your sights uh, that Christ is Lord. Remember, go back to the sermon that we preached or the sermon series on this idea that Christ is Lord, that he is over all, through all, and in all. Uh, in this situation and the fact that Jesus is Lord and he is who he is gives me a sense of boldness and courage to interact with these topics I even go as far as the Holy Spirit and Jesus will give me words to say that I can't think of myself because that's what the Bible tells me you know he says when you you suffer persecution uh don't, don't worry about that in your own self, but remember the Holy Spirit will give you words to interact with this. And this is the line that I use myself, and I say it to you, is that when you're in these, subject, in these topics and they come up, just say something. Because I hear too many of us, 
to say. I didn't know what to say. And I said nothing. And I, I think the Holy Spirit can't use silence, or maybe he can, he probably does. But he sort of encourages us to say something. And here's the thing that I constantly want to remind us, that we as Christians, and many of us are here have been Christians for a long period of time, you have grown up and you have been immersed in the Word and how Christianity works, and you are loaded with information. You know, you know, remember Ken's thing about explaining how they all work? You guys have been living it. Many of you have been living it all your life. It's there. And often it, what it takes is the boldness and the courage to trust that Jesus is my Lord as I start to engage with these topics. And, I say, and what happens is the more we do it, the more it becomes familiar with it. The more we latch on to phrases. Oh, last time I used that phrase and it worked. Or last time I used that and that went really bad. Um, and so the more we do it, the more we engage with these topics, I think the more God uh, trains us and, and teaches us. But say something. You guys have a wealth of knowledge. And even though it might not come out, and it might stammer, and you might believe that the Holy Spirit can even use those words as he interacts with the people that he's put in your path. Because we believe that Jesus is Lord over all things. Remember... God chose the weak and the broken, the things that are not, to shame the things that are. So it's not about your words. It's not about how articulate you are. It's about a willingness to speak the truth in love as you engage with these. Um, and remember, back in verse 12, there was a little, if you saw there, there's a little passage where he, he actually quotes a number of Psalms and some of the passages from the Old Testament. And he's reminding them, remember when you're, you're engaging and you're prepared to give an answer, remember that guys, God's eyes are on you and his ears are attentive to your prayers. And so in these conversations, we need to be constantly praying, God, help me, give me words, help me to love, help me to interact with it. What do I do with this when now someone's starting to attack me personally? Help me to understand how to react in here. And so we have a, a, a spiritual interaction with that. We'll go on to the next one which is this one, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. So therefore, um, one, that you have been immersed in all of this, but you still need to be continue to be prepared, which means you need to read, you need to discuss, you need to be familiar with the way different people are thinking about different things. And you need to think and prepare about how would I engage with a topic like that? Um, what sort of um, examples have I got? And here is the beautiful thing for us, is <laughs> that, uh, that we live in the time that we do. You have unlimited resources to help you with this. All you need to do is click on YouTube, write in, pick whoever you want to pick. I, I pick people like Timothy Keller, Francis Chan, Ravi Zacharias, Matt Chandler, and you just put their name in and you put abortion. You put their name in and you put homosexuality. You put their name LGBT and you will get resource after resource of the highest quality intellectual minds that the world has to offer at your fingertips to help you to understand how to engage uh, with, with these arguments in a godly and loving way. I was trying to think of some of the young guys. Who are the young guys? You know, there's the tight T-shirts and the big guns. Judah Smith, um, Stephen Furtick, yeah, some of these guys. Just... Is we've got untold resources. We just have to start to use. And what we need to do with each other is share them with each other. 
um, and encourage each other um, to use uh, these sort of clips and, and books and stuff like that. We do it in our life groups, in our grow groups. Um, I love that we, we, we did uh, Tim Keller's Reason for God in our life group recently. And one of the things, yeah, they, they give you all sorts of reasons. And I love that we, we came back the following week and Liz had had um, the Jehovah's Witnesses come to her door and uh, they were talking about, the oh no, it was the Mormons, because they were talking about the Book of Mormon. Um, and then we had just done that week um, about the credibility of the Bible and the way that we actually, you know, there's historic and literary credibility to the words of the Bible and how that worked. And she could use that tool to interact uh, with the Mormons at their door. And so that's what we do this together. I know that Shrammy's group, has they've, they've, I think they've gone as far as doing role-playing. How do you um, have conversations uh, with people about evolution? How do you um, actually communicate uh, your faith to others? And I think this is the way that we work together and help each other to engage and prepare uh, ourselves for these sorts of uh, conversations. Uh, and then right after this verse, which is the flavour of what happens, we get this. But do it with gentleness and respect. So that's the repeated thing, isn't it? Be prepared, stand firm, speak the truth, but you do it with gentleness and respect. To love your neighbour as yourself, uh, to think about the Good Samaritan, you know, that, that you, we would engage with our enemies in a loving, caring uh, way. If you see people that have vastly different world views from you, are you willing to help them and engage with them in a loving uh, way? I talk about, uh, uh, where did we do this oh, in our marriage stuff? Quarrels versus arguments. The difference between a quarrel is when you go the man or the person um, versus when you actually deal with the argument. And we so often start to go the person. And that's not treating them with gentleness and respect. We need to go the topic, keep going the topic, not the person. Uh, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. Talk about that. Um, I want to read, I got this book here, I was, as I was preparing this sermon, Andrew had this book, uh, Seven Men, The Secret of uh, Greatness, uh, Seven Men and the Secret of Their Greatness, just read it. Um, and it talks about people who have had influence um, in the world for different things. There's a whole section here on um, Wilber, Wilber, can't, William Wilberforce, speak right. And um, he was uh, the, the man that probably had, was the most influential person in abolishing uh, the slave trade. And many of us will probably know him. But my question has, as I was reading it, I was thinking about how he sort of interacted with his world of politics and stuff like that. And that's a whole other side of the, this story. But then I read at the start of this, have, have any of you guys heard of a guy called Isaac Milner? Isaac, no, because Isaac Milner was single-handedly responsible for the abolition of slavery in the world. Uh, that's overstating it. That's what we pastors do. Because Isaac w Milner was the guy that led William Wilberforce to Christ. And I just wanted to read a section of, of this. Uh, so they're on a train together. They're travelling on a train together to go on holidays. As the miles spooled past them, it became clear to Wilberforce that this effervescent genius with whom he now travelled was something of a closet Methodist or a closet Christian. <laughs> as far as Wilberforce was concerned, this was grievous news. Milner was in no way an outwardly religious or offensive or aggressive person in his views, but neither did he hold onto them lightly. 
Did you hear that? So he wasn't aggressive, but he was very serious about what he believed. And so you can imagine they're in this train for I don't know how many hours and they're having these conversations. In latter years, Wilberforce admitted that given this uh, voguish antipathy for such thinking, so he didn't like thinking, um, if he had known beforehand, he would have almost certainly not have chosen or would have chosen another travelling companion. But as uh, the die was cast and they were far from home, Wilberforce was evidently obliged to engage uh, with Milner in serious theological discussion. To his credit, Wilberforce was intellectually honest and he didn't shrink back from robust debate. The back and forth between them continued uh, across the Alps. Milner's intellect and his vast learning on the subject were easily able to dispatch most of the objections to the faith that Wilberforce had raised. And by, that by the time their trip together had come to an end, Wilberforce was in the most unpleasant and difficult spot of believing that he had been quite wrong in his previous views and that Milner had been right. And Wilberforce found, to his significant distress, that he had come to believe with his whole mind that what he had been before was false and in fact untrue and that the God of the Bible existed and Jesus existed in history and was the promised Messiah and the scriptures were not silly old myths but the truth themselves. Because someone was willing to engage with him in loving debate. <laughs> His whole life was turned upside down when he came to know the truth um, and he went on to uh, stand up for God's truth in the abolition of slavery. Do it with gentleness and a clear conscience. The clear conscience thinks is you can't lie. So that means you can't say things that you don't believe <laughs> to be true. And that means with a clear conscience you can't water down some of these things that we like to. So we actually, clear conscience means we have to speak the truth in love in that even though people may not expect, uh, appreciate that. And just uh, as it sort of finishes off, then the way that people react to that, uh, that's up to them and God. But we are to bring the truth in love. Uh, it goes on, let's finish up. Near second last slide. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for unrighteous, to bring us to God. Remember, people, that the vision is more important than the fight that people need to know what the vision is. The vision is that there is a God who is pursuing those who are broken and sinful. Remember the gospel. The gospel is that we are all sinners and that we are all far from God. As I continue to tell people that homosexuals don't go to hell because they're homosexual, that gay people, uh, people don't go to hell because they believe in gay marriage. People go to hell or are separated from God because they're sinful. And guess what? You and I are sinful too. We're in the same boat. So their beliefs and stuff is not, it's an understanding of the truth of who God is and who they are because of him. That this God pursues broken people, people who rebel against him, people who want nothing to do with him. This God pursues them and wants to love them as a father loves his child. That's the vision as we engage with bringing the truth in these situations. So be equipped, be prepared. We need to know our Bible, we need to be praying, we need to be in our devotions. I am constantly amazed at how often 
God uses the devotion that I have done that morning in people's lives. I don't know, it's just the way that it's in your mind, isn't it? So we need to be in the Word. We need to, whether it's just one verse or a whole slab or whatever, that we use, often God uses those things that we've read as we engage in conversations with people. To be equipped, remember uh, to ask God to help us to love those who are different from us. Remember that picture of putting an arm around someone, loving them, and then telling them how wrong they are. That's what we're called to do. <laughs> wrong they are because they're rebelling against the truth, as we have. And remember, just say something and see what God does. As we wrap up, last slide. Remember what Jesus said to the 72 as he sent them out? And this is what's going to happen as you leave these doors and go out into your workplace, in your schools, your unis, into your neighbourhoods, as you interact with your family. He says, remember, I am sending you as lambs to wolves. So therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as gentle as doves. It's an ongoing message through Jesus' teaching and through the New Testament, isn't it? Be wise, shrewd, be prepared, think uh, about how you're going to bring the truth, but also be gentle and loving as doves. Be aware of who you're speaking with. Understand who they are. Know uh, whether they need to be confronted or loved or uh, how to do. Be self-aware. Are you a bit of, if, if you've done the marriage course, are you a bit of a hedgehog? That you sort of, you're a, a, a fight, uh, sorry, a flight person that you just call up? Or are you a, uh, a rhino that you just want to charge in there and win the argument? Be self-aware. So you need to adjust each of those. Hedgehogs need to become a bit more like rhinos. Rhinos need to become a bit more like hedgehogs so that we can engage with love um, and to bring the truth. Uh, confront those who are broken and be prepared to love as you bring truth, to bring mercy as we bring a defense of the gospel and to know what we believe as we see the Holy Spirit work through us. Let's pray. Lord and God, we ask that you would use us this week to engage with these tough topics. Lord, would you bring people into our lives that we can help bring the truth to, to explain the truth, to show who you are and who they are because of you. Lord, we ask that um, people that we've already been thinking of this morning, that we've engaged with these sorts of conversations with before, Lord, that you would give us a heart for them a love for them, and that you would give us words with power to speak with them, that you would give us a demonstration of your Spirit's power through words and love as we engage with them this week. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be uh, good dispensers of truth and good dispensers of love. And we pray that as we do that this week, the world would know that you are God. In the name of Jesus, amen.